Wonderful. Well, as you can guess, that today's uh, theme f- uh, for Advent is joy, and uh, we have all of our candles lit or lights lit now in the background, representing today as the the fourth week. And uh, yeah, sorry, we're having um, technical difficulties. <clears throat> I'm not sure why. I'm going to, okay. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we thank you that it's uh, all that we've been doing this last month is in the spirit of Advent, this celebrating your first coming and preparing for your second coming. And Lord, as all of these topics come together that we've talked about, we've talked about uh, hope, we've talked about faith, we've talked about peace, and as today as we talk about joy, Lord, may these things build as in our hearts and in our spirits just foundations for with which we, we live in and anticipate your second coming. Lord, we love you and we bless you in your holy name. Amen. Amen. And uh, I'm going to... I'm going to take an opportunity to restart my technology because um, I, I need it to. Otherwise, we will be, uh, I will be preaching off the cuff, which usually when I do that, I preach really long. So you guys are like, yes, restart your technology because we don't want to be here uh, past lunchtime. Oh, amen. Well, you know, while this is, is gearing up and, and moving on, Christmas, there's lots of things that bring us joy, right? I mean, there's, there's definitely things that uh, I love, that you love. Um, at Christmas time, it's um, maybe the, uh, for me, I love the good food and, and good and sweets. I mean, that's my downfall. I was just talking to Lori yesterday, like, you know, honey, I'm going to have to fast until June at this rate um, because I just, it's all so good. Uh, the, the giving and receiving of gifts that just, is, just brings, brings joy, right? There's, there's a celebrating uh, with friends and with family, which is why, uh, you know, our current situation is so frustrating because we're being discouraged not to, yet that's something that brings us great joy. And, and, uh, but we enjoy um, celebrating with friends and family. And then for, for me, every year a highlight is the Christmas Eve service, you know, with uh, candlelight and the and the focusing on Christ coming and being together. These are all things that bring us joy at Christmas. But I want to look at what did the angels have in mind in Luke chapter 2, verse 10. In Luke chapter 2, verse 10, it says, But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So the angels said, I have good news that's going to bring or will be the cause of great joy. And so first, before we dig into what is it the angels were proclaiming, what is it they were saying, we have to take a moment and just understand what joy is. Okay? And so let's do that for a moment, and then we'll, we'll move on and we'll dig into what the angel was communicating. When we think of joy... Uh, the English dictionary seems to capture the, the definition of it. And that's this, a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. 
you look in your English dictionary, in, in, around those words it says that. It's just a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And we think of joy in terms of just being happy. <clears throat> and I enjoy being happy. I think everybody enjoys being happy, right? Whether you feel happy or not, we all want to be happy. We all enjoy being happy. And there are a lot of things that make me happy. I mean, like I said before on Christmas, good food and good drink, right? For me, beautiful scenery makes me happy. Whether And it doesn't matter where. I mean, it could be a beautiful desert scene, a mountain scene, a, a beach scene. Like anything that's just beautiful scenery makes me happy. Uh, the embrace uh, of a loved one makes me happy. I mean, especially my wife's embrace makes me even more happy. But just being in, uh, loved on by friends or family, that just makes me happy, right? Now, I don't know if you can associate uh, with this one. I, most guys, I think, can, but winning at anything makes me happy. Right? right? Which is why, uh, you know, some seasons when we watch our favorite sport teams, we're excited because they have a winning record, and we kind of, yeah, when they're winning, I'm winning, but, and when they're not having a winning record, we're all kind of like, yeah, they stink this year, you know? But I like winning at anything. Right? I mean, it can be, it can be as petty as I was the first one to leave the stoplight when it turned green. Ha ha, I won, I beat him. <laughs> right? To, to a softball game you're playing or whatever. Just love winning. It makes me happy. I love having fun. I mean, having fun makes me happy. Wearing, wearing silly Christmas outfits to church together, it's just fun, but it makes me happy. I mean, especially Jim. Jim's outfit this morning makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> now, you at home will get to see Jim's outfit at the end when we run the slideshow. You know, also what makes uh, me happy too, and, and you may roll your eyes, but I think it's true with all of us, is just recognition of achievements, right? When, when you work hard at something or you achieve something and somebody else recognizes like, wow, good job, you really worked hard at that, or man, you did that, that's amazing, or any of those kinds of things, you're like, oh, that makes me happy. Somebody recognized an achievement, right? So, and there's lots and lots of other things, things that we do that just make us happy. We all have, you, you have to admit, like, where, you hear this phrase, where is your happy place, right? Like, I know for Jim and Julie Gregory, their happy place is on a paddleboard on the water because they posted pictures from yesterday or day before, where they were out paddleboarding in the wintertime on the ocean. you got to know that's their happy place if they're out there in the cold, right? Um, so we all have that place that makes us happy. Now, happiness is not something you can just create on your own and muster within yourself. Because happiness is an emotion, and you need external stimulus to create that mo- emotion. You need something on the outside something externally that affects you that then creates the emotion of happiness. Because it's an emotion. It's a response to. It's a, it's a feeling. Nothing wrong with it. But it's a, it needs an external stimulus to create the emotion. Which means this, that happiness is also temporary. Because it's connected to an external stimulus. So whenever that external stimulus is done or gone or whenever, the happiness goes away because that stimulus is no longer there. 
right? So at Christmas time, we have the big letdown the day after Christmas, right? You've opened all the presents, you've eaten all the food, your friends and family have gone home, and now you're just, oh, back to life. So we have this build, build, oh, oh, Christmas, yay, 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 yay. Like the day after Christmas, I think, is like, you know, just back to normal. And that's true in all things that make you happy. At some point, the scenery changes for me. Like, oh, yay, that was a beautiful sunset, but the sun is down, and now it's just black. It's dark. It's, I can't see anything. The scenery's changed. So it's important for us to understand that our happiness is connected to the external stimulus, and it's temporary. But because we enjoy being happy, we search for pleasures that produce the emotion of happiness. Right? We all do. I want to be happy, so I look for something that makes me happy. And then I go after it, and I enjoy it, and I have the emotion of happiness. So is there a problem with this? And I know some of you can see where I'm headed. Is there a problem with the pursuit of happiness? Let me share two things with you. The first one is this. Our life can feel empty and unfulfilling as we move from pleasure to pleasure to pleasure. Let me show you. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, written by uh, many believe King Solomon, and he said this, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I'm going to have to read from here because my slide seems not working. Um, Can you advance me to the next slide, please? Thank you. My, uh, I refuse my heart no pleasure. So he's saying, hey, anything that produced pleasure and happiness in me, I went after. I denied myself nothing. And here's the richest man in the world, so he actually had the cash to be able to do that. I mean, some of us were like, yeah, I deny myself all pleasures, but if that came available, you know, I'd be, I'd go for that, right? Because we're restricted. He had no restrictions. My heart took delight in all my labor, and this was the reward for all my toil. Next slide, please. Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done, and when I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. So he says this, look, I denied myself no uh, pleasure. I I mean, he he just gave himself to everything. And at the end he said, "It's, it's all meaningless. It meant nothing. He was unfulfilled in life by his chasing after all these pleasures. Some of us have discovered that, and some of us are discovering that, right? We realize we bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship and realize nothing, none of this is doing it for me. We, we, we shop until we drop, and guess what? None of this is doing it for me. You know, we've got to go out and buy all the toys, all the latest gadgets, all the this and all the that, and keep up with the Jones, and, and all of a sudden it's still not doing it for me. i just got to go find the next thing. Uh, in Luke chapter 8, verse 14, when Jesus is sharing the parable of the, the sower, uh, where he throws the seed on different kinds of grounds, it says this, The seed that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures and they don't mature. So this chasing after pleasure actually just leaves us unfulfilled and, un- and immature. 
We stop maturing in life when we jump from pleasure to pleasure and we're seeking riches and fame and all these things that we think are going to make us happy. It leaves us, it can leave us empty and unfulfilling if we're just constantly searching for pleasures that can produce the emotion of happiness. What else is there, is there a problem uh, with this endless searching for pleasures to make us happy? Second, we can become enslaved and addicted to these pleasures. Look at Titus chapter 3, verse 3 in the first part. It says, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. What is Paul talking about when he writes this? Well, let me explain it this way. If you can't find happiness unless you blank, or if I can't find happiness unless I am fill in the blank, going shopping, doing this, doing that, right, then I am a slave to it. You see, if, if I need that thing to make me happy, then I'm a slave to that thing because I'm, I'm searching after it in order to make me happy. And, and this is where addiction falls in. Where, where, where somebody takes a substance in order to make themselves feel better. And they become addicted to that substance. I need that in order to feel good about myself or to feel happy or to move on, right? There's this, there's this search and then it has a hold on them. And we know and then sometimes when you recognize it has a hold, it's too, it, it becomes a battle to, to break that hold. And it's easy to point that out for people who are addicted to a substance but it's less easy for us to point out when we're addicted to whatever is the source of our happiness. Right? It, it's more difficult. And we all have, like, if you have to have certain friends around you or you're not happy. If you have to be doing certain activities or you're not happy. If you have to be in a certain place or you're not happy. It's a good indication that it has you in its grip, that you're a slave to it. James chapter 4, verse 1 says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, that, that battle within? And see, here it goes to another level. Because if your happiness is contingent on a thing, and we all desire happiness, you will fight for that thing in order to get it. And that's what James is talking about. These desires within you that I need that thing so I'll fight you, because I need that. So I'm going to fight you on it. I'll, I'll manipulate you, uh, I'll, take, I'll abuse, I'll take advantage of you, I'll do whatever I get, if I can get that thing, because that thing makes me feel happy. So we see that there's a problem, there can be a problem with pursuing pleasures to be happy all the time. Now, it's not wrong, because we all know that external stimulus makes us happy. But if you, if, you're, if you're saying, I need that to be happy, now it's enslaved you. And you'll fight for that. So, the point is this that I'm trying to make. Um, joy in the Bible cannot be the same thing as happiness. So when the Bible talks about joy, it's not referring to happiness as we understand it. 
And I'll show you some scriptures why. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says this about Jesus. Can we switch there, guys? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him, Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before Jesus, he went to the cross. I don't know anybody who a cross would make them happy. Right? This emotion of just great delight and pleasure as people are abusing you and killing you. Like, that would be the description of maybe a madman. So clearly, happiness and joy are not the same. Again, let's look at Acts chapter 13, verse 50 through 52. But the Jewish leaders incited God-fearing women of high standing, and the leading men of the city, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. Look at next. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. The entire town gathered against them and expelled them from the town, kicked them out, and they were filled with joy. I don't know the last time you were fired or physically removed from some place that you were happy. So clearly, joy and happiness cannot be the same. Last example, James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. What? That seems like an impossible command or instruction. Ah, almost like the video sings, like, uh, turn that frown upside down when you're in trials. Like, huh? How am I supposed to be happy about this? Clearly, joy and happiness are not the same thing. Clearly. So what is biblical joy? Important for us to know. We're celebrating it today. And I think it's important that all this comes together because this is a time of the year that for some, they love the activity because it brings them joy and they get all about it. And other people see and they, 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 they look forward to the end of it with, with great disdain and angst because they know that the end is the emotional down and oh, this, this time of the year itself is just propped up happiness, but I'm really not happy in my life and so I'm just going to have to act happy and I hate that and... Right? It's just such a bundle of emotions this time of the year. But we're not talking about happiness. Although it's okay to be happy. It's okay to not be happy. We're talking about joy. And joy is what God wants to give us. A biblical joy. Uh, according to the Holman Bible Dictionary, I think it should be the next slide, uh, I'm sorry, no, 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 Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So the first thing we know about biblical joy here is it's something that you cannot muster up inside yourself. It's the fruit of the Spirit. You say, well, what does that mean? Well, think what is fruit? Fruit is the result of a healthy tree, right? So it's, it's the byproduct 
of, of a tree's life, of its tree's living. And if a tree is healthy and rooted and nourished, it produces lots of fruit. If it's not, it's in adverse conditions and those kinds of things, it produces a little bit of fruit. But it's the result of. And so the, the, basically what he's saying is this is the result of a right relationship with God are these gifts, the fruit of the Spirit. When we're in a right relationship with God, we, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's all of these things. So like happiness, you can't manufacture it. It requires external stimulus, external ingredients in order for there to be joy. So now we'll put up the Holman Bible Dictionary's definition of biblical joy. The state of delight and well-being that results from knowing and serving God. That's the definition of biblical joy. It's a state of delight and of well-being. It's just a state of being. It's, it's not a momentary thing that comes and goes. It's just who you are. It's, a, it's just a, it's how you live your life. It's, it's just what comes from you when you're doing no activity. You're like, I have this, this joy, and the ingredients are knowing God and serving God. These are... These are the things that, that come into my life that create the joy. It's a knowing and serving God. It's a result of knowing and serving God. I want to I put up two quotes from two uh, very f- famous uh, pastors and their understanding of joy. First is John Piper. Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the Word and the world. I love Rick Warren's, which is next. Joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I, 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 don't, I don't care what you think about Rick Warren. I mean, that captures it. Right? The settled assurance that God is in control. Right? That all the details of my life, I don't know what's going on right now. It might be really awesome things. It might be really bad things. It may be neutral things in between. But ultimately, God is in control. And because God is in control, I have the quiet assurance in my soul. It might not be in my mind. Because there's a difference. In my mind, I want to wonder how it's all going to work out. I want to put the puzzle pieces together. Like, God, well, I don't know, how's this going to fit here? But there's something in the soul that says, hey, 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 hey. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. God is in control, remember? It's that quiet assurance in my soul that says, hey, I know it's going to be okay. And because that, because in my soul I say it's going to be okay, I'm determined to no matter what the situation, to lift my hands in praise and say, God, you are awesome, you are glorious, you are amazing, I worship and I praise you today. It's a, I'm determined to do that regardless of the external circumstances, regardless of what my mind is racing over. I know it's going to be okay, and therefore I'm going to praise God. 
Joy is an attitude towards life because of the hope we have in Christ. That's biblical joy. It's an attitude towards life. Now, let's look at why we celebrate joy this time of the year. Let's read through the the story of the of uh, the angels and the shepherds, um, and see the context of what the angels are talking about and the shepherds' response. So, verse eight: There were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I'm, I've just been. Thrilled the, the focus between Zip and Pastor Sean. Just can you imagine? Everywhere in Scripture, an angel, people are terrified. So if you saw our, uh, our, our Christmas uh, comments clip from yesterday, you know, uh, angels aren't little sweet sugar plums. Right? Like, if you missed it, go to Facebook, watch it. But, but like, they're not just, they were awesome, res- like, beings that commanded respect as soon as you saw them. Anyway, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And here's the the, the quote. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So he's saying the news he's about to deliver is going to be the source of joy for all people. They say, well, it's just the the news is going to be joy for all people. He said, no, it's going, to be, it's, going to, it's going to be a source of joy. It has the potential to be. There, there's two pieces when news is given. There has to be news has to be received. But he's saying, hey, this isn't just for, as I'm so uh, grateful, uh, what Pastor Sean preached last week, this wasn't news just for the elite. This wasn't news just for Jewish people. This wasn't news just for the priests. This news is for all people. What I'm about to tell you is for everybody. Which the Bible uh, and God's word was lining up with action. Because he's proclaiming this is for all people as he's coming to the least of these, demonstrating that, hey, this news is for all people. That's um, verse 11. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Let's pause there. That is the good news. That is the message that the angel was saying, hey, I bring you good news that's going to create joy. There's the good news. Verse 11. That's the news that brings joy. And you say, well, how, uh, how is this, this good news? How, how is this supposed to bring me joy? Because he's, what he's saying is this. He's saying that heaven has come to earth. God's promises have been made real and actualized. He's saying that this is the promised Messiah through all the Old Testament that's coming to save the world and set up a, earthly, a kingdom that will last forever. He's, this is the culmination of all these things. And if you believe that, it's going to cause you great joy. If you grab onto that, it's going to cause you joy. Because it's available for all people. Let's keep reading till the end. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. Just, I was a little disappointed at our nativity movie because I was waiting for them to display this like great company of angels celebrating. They were like, light with a wind. So just, I just wanted to see lots of angels and awesomeness. And anyway, uh, they were praising God and as Malcolm pointed out to me this week, saying. We often say, think they were singing, but Scripture says they were saying. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, now here's the peace. Up to this point, the shepherds are just afraid. It says they were afraid, they were terrified. But they responded to the message. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. We need to investigate this. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Let me pause there again. When you choose to investigate the claims of this word, you become like Lee Strobel. You realize they're real. Regardless of the approach that you come, you say, I'm gonna, if your heart is really saying, I'm going to find out the truth. And you begin to dig into God's words, I want to see if this is for real. It always leads to just hear, you discover what they said was true. So angels proclaimed this. They were afraid. They said, let's go investigate this. And they show up, and guess what? They find it just as the angels said. Verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. 18. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Last. And here, here's the proof. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Why is that important? Because it says they returned glorifying and praising God. We see joy. In the beginning we saw fear, a little bit of terror, and then we see inquisitiveness, and then we see joy. So this this source of joy came from the angels that spread the news about Jesus, that they then investigated, that they found to be true which gave them joy. So, what, is this, what does this mean for us at Christmas time? Because of the hope that we find in Christ, which we talked about, hope is, uh, hope is not a wish. Hope is, hope is, we have hope because of this foundation that we know that what Jesus said is true, and we know he's going to do it again. It's confident expectation. And so we, we know it, so we have this hope, this well, God did it then, he did it there, he did it there, he's going to do it again. So we have this hope and peace, as Pastor Sean talked about last week, that we find it through Jesus Christ. And because we have this hope, and because we have this peace, this joy develops in our life where we can approach life with an attitude, a quiet assurance. We can live in a state of well-being regardless of what's going on around us. Because heaven came down to earth. Because God is faithful to his promises. And whether in life 
or in death, if you trust in God, your faith will be rewarded. Loneliness, depression, and anxiety will cease. Broken hearts and broken bodies will be healed. All injustices will be resolved. These are things that we can trust in God with a quiet assurance that even if I don't see them right now, even if everything around me speaks the opposite, I can have this state of well-being and this quiet assurance that my God is going to return and everything is going to be okay. That's Christian joy. And so if you're in a circumstance that doesn't cause you happiness... You can lean back and say, you know what? This really stinks. I don't like what's going on right now. This is terrible. This speaks everything against what I'm hoping for. But I know everything's going to be okay. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next year. But it will be okay. Because I have a faith in a God who loves me, who is trustworthy, who is faithful, and he might, not, he might not seem like he's here now, but I know different. That is biblical joy. This is the confidence that God wants to bring to you, that you don't have to search endlessly for things that just make you happy and you never find joy. You can live united with God in assurance because Jesus came from heaven to save you and me. That this is good news that causes great joy for all those who believe it. Amen, church. God is good. And and we're not talking about some, as the the video earlier said, some trite, turn that frown upside down, muster up your own joy and happiness. Like, that's not what the Bible's talking about. God is saying, listen, put your hope in me. Put your faith in me. And as you put your hope in me, and that's followed up by action, because it's knowing God and serving God. You can't just say, well, I know who God is, and now bring me joy, God. Like, it's walking out what you believe. Regardless of what's happening around you, which is why the disciples had joy when they were being prosecuted. They're like, man, they did this to Jesus. He told us about this. We're on the right track. Right? Right? Because that to them was proof. Jesus said, hey, listen, they're going to beat you for talking about me. At the time, I'm sure the tips were like, I don't know if I want to get into any of this. Right? But then Jesus says, but listen, take heart because I've overcome the world. I'm going to go prepare a place for you and you're going to be with me forever where there'll be no more crying and no more tears and no more hunger. And so the disciples are like, yeah, okay, that's all theory, Jesus, thank you. But then when they get a beating for talking about Jesus, all of a sudden it's like, oh, told us about this. And if this came true, certainly the rest of it's going to come true. That's where our hope comes from. That's where our peace comes from. That's where our joy comes from. There's nothing wrong with happiness. I hope this, this season you're happy. I hope there are things that you enjoy, whether it be food or friends or family or gift exchange or singing or colors or smells or any of those kinds of things that time of the year can create happiness. Uh, You should enjoy those things. But that's not where your joy is. Your joy is in the fact that when Jesus Christ came and touched this earth, he proved to us, I promised you I would come, 
and I did. And I'm promising you I'm going to come again, and I will. And in the meantime, we can have confidence assurance that it's going to be okay. Let's pray. Let's, you know, I, I am very well aware of being a pastor is one of those eye-opening things into, into people's lives. And uh, I know that there are a lot of people this time of the year that, especially in a COVID environment, that deal with depression, anxiety, um, just don't enjoy this time of the year, any of those kinds of things. And I want to pray that the song we sang about the joy of the Lord would just come into your hearts, that you would say, God, I don't feel happy. There's a lot of junk going on in my life right now, and I don't feel happy. But you promised me everything's going to be okay. And I choose to trust that everything's going to be okay, even when I don't feel happy. I'm just going to ask that joy of the Lord to come into our hearts today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son. And even though we know he wasn't born on December 25th, we choose this day to celebrate. And we celebrate because the event brings us such hope. It, uh, it, it renews our faith. It, it, uh, it brings a peace to our mind and our heart. But Lord, one of the things it does as well is it brings us joy, a, 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 a state of, an attitude of well-being because of all of these things. That we don't have to have all these little tiny pleasures and run after all these things and be enslaved to these things in order to have a, have a, a, a well-being in our heart and our soul. But Lord, many of us struggle, especially this time of the year, with feelings of depression and anxiety. And Lord, we pray and we ask right now that your Holy Spirit, as John Piper said, that it's a product of the Holy Spirit. That this, this feeling, this good feeling in our soul, Lord, that you are in control and that everything is going to be okay, Lord, would your Holy Spirit come into our heart and our soul and speak that to us today? that our family's going to be okay, our situations are going to be okay, that I'm going to be okay. Just keep trusting, keep believing, and walking towards you. Holy Spirit, would you come and do this work in our heart, that this may be a year that we can truly enjoy, even if the circumstances around us are far from enjoyable. May you give us that quiet assurance that you are with us. In response, we are determined this year to give you glory and to give you praise alone. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives as we hope and trust in you. Our response to this, Lord, is nothing but praise and honor and glory and worship to you. We celebrate the joy that is available to us because Jesus Christ came to this earth. We thank you in your precious name. Amen.